Grace and peace are yours through our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some either-or decisions are bigger than others. Uh, There's there's some small either-ors that that we deal with. Should I have the pancakes or the sausage for breakfast? Maybe like me, you said, I'll have both. It's okay. Should I wear this outfit or that outfit? It doesn't really have big consequences. Some either-ors are bigger than others. Some are bigger. Where should I go to school for college? What should I study? What what should my career look like? Should I take this job or, or this job? Should, should I say yes to that proposal or not? Some have bigger consequences than others. Should I go to this church or that church or, or no church at all? I'm glad that this Easter Sunday you've come to celebrate the resurrection and to, and to hear God's word here at, at this church. But today we get to look at the biggest either-or imaginable. Is Jesus Christ still dead and in the grave? Or did he rise from the dead just as he said he would? Because this either-or, is Christ dead or is Christ alive, has eternal, life-changing consequences. The, The answer to this question should change your day-to-day, your life here on earth, and your eternity. And God's word gives us the answer to this today with, with convincing proofs. So this is what we're going to be looking at and examining today, and then through the weeks following this in our season of Easter. And if you're in the area here, I'd love to have you come back and keep on looking at the eternal significance of this either-or question, is Jesus alive, or is he dead, and does it matter? Easter is the pivotal, historical moment in the Christian faith. Everything stands or falls on the historical reality of Easter. Because Jesus said over and over that he would die, and three days later he would rise from the dead. Was he lying? Or was he speaking the truth? And why does that matter? If Jesus remains dead, he is a failure and a fraud. If he rose from the dead, he is the Messiah and the Savior, just as he said he was. If Jesus is dead, he is a complete waste of your time, and you should really find something better to do on a Sunday morning than gathering in church. But if Jesus is alive, he's your only hope for salvation. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, then how could we believe any of his other promises? But if Jesus did rise from the dead, just as he predicted, a person, imagine this, predicting his own death and resurrection and then coming back and saying, touch me, feel me, see me, I'm really alive, then if that's true, what about his other promises? If, if he could predict this, what about his, his predictions for your life eternally? If Jesus is still dead, it's completely logical that you should want nothing to do with him. 
But if Jesus is really alive, then it is completely logical that it should be life-changing for you and that he should become the very center and the greatest priority of your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul reminds us of this central truth of the Bible. He starts out by saying, This, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This is of first importance. This was the gospel that that the Apostle Paul went and preached to every church that he started, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that they actually saw it and were completely convinced of its historical reality. He says that this is gospel, which simply means this is good news, that Jesus rose from the dead. Good news for him, obviously. Great news for us because of its implications. And he calls us to hold on to this word because this is the gospel that that we take our stand on and that saves us. This good news actually rescues us from the depths of death and hell and our own consequences for our own sins. This is the gospel that saves us. Hold on to it firmly so that you don't waste your life. So that you didn't Believe in vain. Thank you for gathering around God's word today. Today we hear his word. We hear his forgiveness spoken after our confession of sins. And for many of us today, we'll taste and see his forgiveness in the Lord's Supper for the strengthening of our faith. This helps us to hold on firmly to him. If you aren't usually at church, let this be the start of something new where you can continue to hold firmly on to Christ and his resurrection. Don't let this resurrection be in vain. But how can I be sure that it's true? How can I actually believe that Jesus really rose from the dead? Well, we might sometimes get the impression that the Christian faith is, is, is just this... This, this squishy faith thing that, that we have to believe even though it's, it's illogical and counterintuitive and it involves all these impossibilities. But that's not what the Christian faith is. Paul goes on to say that the resurrection of the dead is historically accurate. It is predicted. It is logical. And God's going to do a miracle in your heart so that you can believe this. But listen to the argument that that Paul gives. He starts by saying what many uh, theologians say is probably an ancient Christian creed. Kind of like a shorter version of the Apostles' Creed. Something Christians said as they gathered together and said, yeah, this is the faith that we confess. And listen to to what these key things are. For I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance here. Here's what he passed on to the churches he started. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The death of Jesus for our sins happened according to the scriptures, that this was prophesied thousands of years before Christ walked this earth, and we hear the words of Isaiah 53. But he was pierced, why? 
for our transgressions, because of our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The reason that Christ hangs on the cross is because of our sins, to take them up and to pay for them once and for all. He was buried. The burial of Jesus just proves that he actually died. His corpse was put into the tomb and the stone was rolled in front of it. Jesus wasn't just there and he had, he had fainted and he crawled out of the grave on Easter morning with a little bit of life left in him. He was dead. The Roman soldiers checked and if Roman soldiers are good at one thing, it's making sure the people are dead. They put him in the grave. He was buried and even that was prophesied in the scriptures. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich, Joseph of Arimathea, in his death, although he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This is also what the Apostle Paul passed on to the churches that the early Christians believed that he was raised on the third day according to to the scriptures. This also was prophesied. We have Psalms like Psalm 16 that says, You will not abandon my life to the grave. You will not let your Holy One see decay. And Jesus' body did not decay. It was preserved those three days in the grave and rose glorious once again. We read the reading from, from Jonah where Jesus himself says that this account of Jonah is a prediction of my death and resurrection. Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights, and so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. And he was until he rose. In Hosea chapter 6, it says, God has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we will live. Before him. The Old Testament knows of the resurrection of the dead and speaks of the resurrection of Christ according to the scriptures. We can believe this. And if that isn't enough, prophecy fulfilled, the Apostle Paul goes on why you can be absolutely sure that Christ has risen. Because we have eyewitness testimony. If, if historians look and try and figure out if something actually occurred in the past, one of the, the best ways they can do that is to have written accounts or letters sent from one person to another who actually lived during the time of that historical event so that they can look back over it and compare it with what other people have said. And that is the character of the entire New Testament. Eyewitnesses who were there who corroborate the facts and say that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And Paul starts to cite some of the people who saw Christ alive. He appeared to Cephas, that is the apostle Peter, and then to the twelve, even though there were only ten or eleven there that he appeared to, this designation of the, the twelve apostles, the, the disciples. Jesus appeared to them in the locked room. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters all at the same time. From the Gospels, we don't know exactly when this happened, but this was a well-known fact that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at the same time, most of whom are still living. 
although some have fallen asleep. And those who have fallen asleep, they sleep. Because they're going to wake up again. But of those 500 people, the Apostle Paul is saying, if you don't believe me, go check it out. There are living people today, almost 500 of them that you can go and talk to, who saw him, who touched him, who were willing to give their life for this fact that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And then Jesus appeared to James, his brother, and to all the apostles. There are people that you can go and talk to, and, and, and they're sure that he was alive. The, the apostles, you remember when Jesus was walking on the water, and they said, oh no, it's a ghost. In their moments of terror, they, they thought perhaps that there were spirits that could come and walk around there. One of the more logical things for them to say would be that, I saw Jesus' spirit. He, he, he rose and I saw his, his spirit alive again. But that's not what the apostles preach and teach. The basis of the Christian faith is that Jesus physically, bodily rose again from the dead. Proving that we also will rise. And Paul gives us one more exhibit to examine and that's himself. Last of all, he appeared also to me. As to one abnormally born, like, like one who was born prematurely. He didn't have the gestation period of all of the, the rest of the disciples where he was he's working and learning from Jesus for three years. But the risen Christ appeared to Paul and convinced him that he was really alive. Convinced him, knocked him to the ground, made him blind, and, and then spoke to him and taught him and called him to be an apostle. And he does this 180 degree change where he was persecuting the church of God, going to round up Christians and kill them because he did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But when he saw Jesus, everything changed. And he worked harder than any of them, not him, but the grace of God that was in him that changed his life. The resurrection of the dead is real. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. And I'd invite you to hold on to this truth for yourself too. This is what was preached to you. And by God's grace, this is what you believe. Amen.